Hello there. Don't have a good day. Have a great day. Talk to me, Goose. You steal a declaration of independence. Why so serious? Well, I could do this all day. Are you watching closely? Welcome, everybody, to the One-Eyed Film Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Mossberg, and this is our special Christmas episode. I hope you guys are all having a safe and fantastic time on your holiday vacation. I'm here with my little brother, Luke. Hello, hello. And we are going to talk about Spirited, a really interesting movie. It's got a lot of things going for it. It's a musical. It's a sequel to The Christmas Carol. It's a modern take on The Christmas Carol in general. It was really fun to watch, and there's a theme that goes throughout the entire movie that I want to talk about. And if you guys didn't get to see this movie while it was in theaters, it's now on Apple TV. So unless you have it or a friend has it, I would suggest just getting the Apple TV week trial for free. This is a great Christmas movie, a new one with a new take. If you don't want spoilers, go watch that before you listen to the rest of this. Um, But first, Luke, I want to hear your opinions on it. What did you think when you saw it in theaters? I thought it was a really fun movie. I've always liked the story of The Christmas Carol. One of the greatest stories of redemption and just a fun story all in all. And it had some really great actors, Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds just work really well together on screen and it's just really fun. Yeah, this is kind of a two-part extension of The Christmas Carol where you have the ghosts of Christmas past, present, and yet to come as characters, but also as we'll learn in the middle of the movie that the ghost of Christmas present, Will Ferrell's character, was once Scrooge. And when Scrooge died, he became a ghost and was recruited to be a part of this organization that haunts people at Christmas time so that they can be redeemed and become a better person. It's a very interesting way to expand the story of The Christmas Carol because it kind of takes on an industrial workplace setting where they have research and they have people with certain jobs in the departments. I don't think this is at all meant to be a sequel to Christmas Carol in the sense where it would disrespect Charles Dickens' initial ideas. It's just kind of a fun spinoff that doesn't at all affect or revamp the original Christmas Carol. Yeah, I really agree. It does a really good job of taking what the Christmas Carol wrote and what Charles Dickens had in his story and bringing that into life in a more modern sense, if you know what I'm saying. Stuff you normally wouldn't think about in uh, a workplace kind of environment that they have. But like we talked about in the Free Guy episode with Zach, this is kind of a well-rounded PG-13 Ryan Reynolds movie. And there's more of those coming out and I hate to put Reynolds kind of in the R movie category you know where his crude jokes can kind of get him there pretty easily like movies like Deadpool that just are raunchy and really inappropriate but when they tone it down to a PG-13 rating it's enjoyable to the point where it kind of walks the line of pushing the boundary but overall it's enjoyable if you can get over some of the edgy jokes if you know what I mean. Yeah and I heard I don't remember where I heard it or who I heard it from but there are movies now that are being written kind of for Ryan Reynolds and his charisma and this I think is one of the better ones just like with Free Guy of his lighthearted, fun personality it seems as far as acting goes he's just a really fun actor to watch and all the characters he's playing and And Bearded is just something that he does really well, and um, it's just really fun to see him on screen in that. And his personality, where he's kind of edgy in real life, plays off really well in this movie, where his character, Clint, is supposed to be rude to everybody and finding dirt on the people that he's trying to take down and all that. So he fits right into this movie, but in a good way, not in a, oh yeah, he's really mean in real life, so we'll cast him as a mean character in this one. No, it's, he's really funny and pushes people's buttons in real life, so he'll do well with this role. And it does really well of kind of 
portraying what Charles Dickens wrote as Ebenezer Scrooge in the Christmas Carol story, they do a really good job adapting that into what someone like that would look like in a setting of like 2022. I do think it's interesting that you do have to know the Christmas Carol, or at least the general plot of it in order to know this movie and understand it. Because let's say, for example, you don't, and you have no idea why there are ghosts and why they're haunting people and why you get passed from ghost to ghost. And with the Scrooge reveal, you wouldn't know who Scrooge was. I mean, Scrooge is kind of a name that's passed around, like, don't be a Scrooge or whatever. But it is a sequel in the sense that you kind of needed to know what happened in The Christmas Carol. You kind of lose a lot if you don't. So hopefully anyone who watched this knew what The Christmas Carol plot was. Yeah, it's arguably one of the most renowned Christmas stories really out there. Uh, I can't, except for The Christmas Story itself, but I can't really think of anything that's really more famous as like yeah like you said of don't be a scrooge or whatever i don't know that i didn't expect this to be a musical but when the first song came around i was like okay i can see how this fits the vibe of the movie and it's really funny because it is a self-aware musical where they're not only acknowledging that they are singing but they also kind of break the fourth wall and they're like oh this is a musical or where's the music coming from or something like that reminds me of uh the broadway shows like Something Rotten or Beetlejuice, where they have a couple songs where they're like, oh, this is a song and I'm singing when I'm not supposed to be. I think that's really, really fun. And as I was listening to the songs, there's nothing that's Broadway level good. You know what I mean? It's enjoyable, but it's not terrible. Yeah, it's really not. And you can kind of tell at some points where these um, aren't like professional musical actors, like West Side Story, where you can tell that they have experience of singing and in spirited it kind of seems a little fake to me when they're singing because you can at least i can kind of tell that they're not really singing in the moment and there was definitely a little tune up here and there to make sure it sounded good yeah i would say most of these people both background dancers and the main actors who can sing are probably trained just for this movie how to do it and yes they probably had a little bit of tune up but I think to the TikTok that Reynolds did last year, and this was probably, this was definitely when they were recording Spirited because they had Will Ferrell show up in the background, but they were singing for the TikTok and these guys know how to sing. They're not bad at it, but you can tell that it's not the same level as a Broadway show where they are belting those notes perfectly in tune. They're tuned up, they've been practicing, and it does give a level of fakeness to the movie, but it also is not enough to make me not enjoy it. All of the songs were fun to watch and kind of catchy, some of them, but it's not any Lion King on Broadway or Newsies or whatever. Yeah, and I I guess seeing what Will Ferrell, he can hit those notes, and that's kind of his personality but it's like the i think it's the scene in the office where they're singing a goodbye song and he's you can just hear him he's just belting those high notes and it's i'd say a little obnoxious because <laughs> it's kind of obnoxiously loud and a little screechy but it still brings another element of comedy to each of the songs of his singing voice i guess yeah and i'm sure the songs were written just within these actors ranges they're not gonna give them a note that they can't sing. They know their range, so they wrote the songs within those boundaries. But as we get the movie rolling, we're introduced to all of the ghosts, but specifically Present, who is Will Ferrell's character. And we learn that he's a part of an organization that has a bunch of people running around who are researching and, and getting ready to change crabby people into better people during the holidays. But after a successful haunt, 
I don't like that they use that term. I <laughs> I know it's because they're ghosts and ghosts talking to people is counting as haunting, but that just doesn't sit well with me. I, I don't know what else they could have used, but I don't like that they picked that word per- personally. After a successful haunt, Present is having his own solo where he's dreaming about life as a human again and that he's had hundreds of years of just being a ghost and doing his job that he likes. He enjoys redeeming people and making them into better people. But he really is desiring to go back to be a human because he's wanting all the things that humans can enjoy and he can't. What I think is it kind of shows the imperfection of what life without a heaven or hell would be like. Because in heaven, we're going to be completely satisfied with Jesus and we won't need anybody or anything except him. And so I think this shows kind of the imperfection of the theory of like oh there's ghosts here and there doing these different things and um they're the kind of side characters during the songs and stuff of people who are newly passed away and they're right there learning the ropes of haunting people during christmas time and i think it just shows that imperfection of that life of longing back to um your life as a human um because in heaven we're not going to have that we're just going to be um completely free and enjoying our life with jesus present is ready for another haunt and instead of taking the guy that is their target the ceo of the tree company he finds clint played by ryan reynolds who runs a company who is good at bad mouthing everyone or finding dirt to dig up on them And Present is convinced that changing Clint would make a bigger difference than the guy they're supposed to. So when he gets permission from Jacob Marley, which is already a nod to the Christmas Carol, Marley brings up a problem in his plan. And after they take a look at Clint's file, they find out that he is an unredeemable. This is where the movie caught my attention. This could have just easily been a silly musical playing off of the Christmas Carol. But when they brought in this aspect of an unredeemable, I was really interested in the direction they were going to go with this because so many people would say that there are people out in the world who cannot be changed and that's kind of what this unredeemable means is that there are some people who are just too far gone either in morality or as we talk about in the christian faith someone who would never come to christ but as this entire movie shows by the end there's no such thing as an unredeemable they can be pretty sour and rude and crappy people but within them is the chance of change and for us as christians it is the way God can touch a heart and work through them to become a child of his. And it's so much more meaningful than this movie shows. So I would say that this movie kind of waters down our version of redeeming someone that no one is too far gone. And so they're only doing good. And this movie doesn't even cover what good and evil is or good and bad. And why is Clint a bad person or a mean person? It doesn't go into the morality of that. And I think that would have made the whole movie a lot weightier and probably less enjoyable but if they were going to be realistic they could have done a style of movie where someone is labeled as unredeemable and explaining why there's no such thing yeah and you mentioned the word the rip or the phrase the ripple effect and that was something that really struck me when they were talking about it is when jacob marley is telling uh christmas present like yeah he's not gonna have enough ripple effect to affect more 
people and i think that's a really good point we all have a ripple effect in some way in everything that we do whether what we do is good or bad it influences somebody in some way with every decision we make whether saying when i'm at work of saying hey how are you today is going to be like oh yeah there are still people in this world who care and everything you say and do with other people is going to affect them in some sort of way and that is something that this movie really shows the ghosts choose someone every Christmas who's going to have the greatest ripple effect on humanity in a good way. And I think that's a good lesson to learn that we all have a ripple effect and whether we're really, really famous or just living our normal lives, we need to be conscious of the decisions we're making and how they're influencing others around us. That's a great point. Everyone you come in contact with will somehow be affected by your actions, whether it's something as little as walking past the street and they actually do forget you or working your job and you have to work with this person and if you have a good attitude about it, they will possibly have a better day because of that or doing the little things, focusing on the little things in life and making sure you're being positive and Christ-like in all that you do can change somebody, not a complete 180 for their life, but in a way that can make their day a little bit more manageable. And I think that's the loving others part that we're commanded to do. We're supposed to love God and love others. And loving others, even if they're a complete stranger, means being like Christ to them. Yeah, and we already see when they're beginning their research on Clint, we see his influence on his assistant, Kimberly, who he has dig dirt up on people, mostly famous people, and how we have a song in her office of how she's like, how is this my life? How am I doing this? And Christmas present is sitting there and he's really, really sad of like, oh, since she's working here, she seems like a really genuine good person but when she's around Clint, she's putting on a, a facade and she doesn't like it. And she really realizes this when he tasks her to <laughs> dig up dirt on a 12 year old kid and how that affects the people around him. And we see that side plot a little later in the movie, but he's talking to his niece and she's running for student body president, I think. And he's like, okay, I'm going to help you because that's what I promised your mom I would. I'm gonna help you, but you're gonna win with whatever means necessary, whether you have to dig up dirt on this kid and ruin his life. That's just his attitude towards life and the people around him. And that's why the ghosts think he will have the greatest ripple effect on humanity because of all of the dirt he digs up on really famous people. And um, if he can start using that for good instead of bad. Yeah, and that's exactly what he does at the end of the movie. After, spoiler alert, he dies and becomes the ghost of Christmas present. He's literally got to dig up dirt on everyone they're haunting, which is a good thing in this case where they can now haunt the people who will make a bigger ripple effect and they can do more of it and all that. So he's using his <laughs> digging up dirt for good somehow. And yet once Present convinces Marley to do it, it turns into really funny dialogue between Clint and Present because once Present takes over and starts haunting Clint, Clint is very self-aware where most people would kind of take it nonchalantly and <laughs> be like, okay, I guess this is my life being haunted by the ghost of Christmas past or whatever. Clint is not believing it because he's the type of guy who kind of thinks it's a practical joke at first. But once he realizes it's real, he's now using it kind of against present so that he can get into his head because present has something that Clint wants to know, like something that makes present the way he is and Clint is trying to get under his skin for it. And so present stops the whole haunt to go 
back in time to when he was alive and we find out that present was once Ebenezer Scrooge. A really interesting twist that I did not see coming. I thought it was just going to be enough that we had the ghosts of Christmas present past and yet to come. With his reveal, I was like, oh, wow. We find out, obviously, this is kind of the point of the original Christmas Carol. Scrooge wasn't unredeemable because he was so nasty to everyone that he met. And we realize that the reason present is so adamant that they can change Clint, who is labeled an unredeemable, is because it happened to Scrooge, to happen to present. And he knows, he knows that it's possible, but no one else at the organization thinks it is because that's the whole reason Unredeemable was created is so that you wouldn't waste your time on them. But as the Christmas Carol shows, it's very possible through self-reflection, even though it was the ghosts presenting Scrooge with the reality or the possible future, that he does some self-reflection and changes. Yeah, and I think we need to go back a little bit when, I think it's the scene, yeah, it's right after um, the scene in Kimberly's office after she's digging up dirt on the 12-year-old. She actually somehow sees Christmas present in her office. She's the only one that can, and she starts talking to him. And he's really smitten when he sees her because it's the first human interaction he's had besides the people he's been haunting. And that kind of brings up uh, another reason for him to retire is because he's like, I want to go and love again, I guess. But when it then goes to a scene, I think, where the ghost of Christmas present is researching Clint, he's also using it kind of as an excuse to research Kimberly as one of the people Clint mainly influences. And he has that all up on this big board, like in the crime movies with yarn and stuff attaching everything together and then we see when they start haunting clint clint gets into the headquarters of the ghosts and he gets into christmas presents office and he sees his file and he's like i'm an unredeemable and that kind of sets the tone for his character over the movie because he believes himself to be unredeemable and so he kind of sets himself against the ghosts believing yeah i'm an unredeemable i'm never going to change so the heck with this because it's just not worth my time to try and change because they already think i'm an unredeemable so what's the point of all of this exactly he already gives up on them because he's already admitted defeat he knows that he's too far gone and he's fine with that some people are like that in real life where they don't desire to change because they don't think it's necessary. They, they're fine with the life they have. And what's interesting is, at the end of the movie, Present believes that all he has to do is tell Ren, his little niece, not to post the video blackmailing her opponent for student body president. And yet she, she doesn't post it. They are in relief that nothing happened and that the ghost of Christmas yet to come's prediction where her opponent would take this the wrong way and do something really drastic. They're really relieved that none of this happened. And yet, present is really confused as to why Clint hasn't been redeemed yet, because usually when everything's done and dusted, there's, you know, music from the ghosts and all that. But there's none of that, and present's wondering what happened, and why Clint never changed. And Clint grabs him by the shoulders, he goes... Probably because I'm, I'm going to go back to work next week, and I'm going to keep doing what I do. I'll feel guilty for a couple of days, but then I'll rationalize it. I'm really good at that. And so present runs off, and Clint runs after him. And then a really heartwarming scene when Clint says to present that he's a bro and he's their friends. And present's like, "You mean it?" And Clint's like, "Yeah, you're my friend." And then present runs across the street and almost gets hit by the bus. And Clint jumps in front of him and pushes him out of the way. But just before he's hit, everything freezes, and 
president is like, this is it. This this means that, this means that you're redeemed. And they do their whole song and thing. But it's the act of sacrificial love for a friend that shows that Clint has actually changed. Clint did not change when he realized what he had done was bad in telling Ren that the only way to win is to blackmail. He didn't change when he said just with words that Present was his friend. But when push came to shove, literally, he sacrificed his life for Present so that Present could live and Clint would in the end die, but then come back as a ghost and they would hire him for the new Ghost of Christmas Present. And it's moments like those that hit the hardest in movies. The, the sacrificial love moments where it shows that you were willing to lay down your life for your friend. That's what gets us in these movies because that's what really happened in our world where Christ came as a baby, which we celebrate in this season, so that he could grow up and sacrifice himself on the cross so that we may live. Not because we did anything to deserve it, but because he loved us and wants a relationship with us. And this sacrificial love that we end the movie with just is so powerful and I loved it. I really enjoyed this movie and all the themes that it had. Even though it was a really silly movie, some of the silliest movies actually have the deepest themes is what I've found. Yeah, I really agree. And there's, as you said, um, some of the funniest and silliest movies have the deepest themes. And I think the big thing that I pulled out of this was the ripple effect, really, of how we just need to remember we're influencing everybody around us with our attitude and our actions and the way we speak to them. And it all makes a difference in the end because you don't know what your ripple effect is going to be of being nice to someone or being mean to someone because that's the big thing of Clint sees what would happen if his niece would have posted the video of this kind, caring, sharing young boy saw that and all the hate he got he would eventually commit suicide because of a video she posted to win a school election. And it's just little things like that that can have some of the biggest consequences for others, and we just need to be aware of that. Exactly. The ripple effect, we cannot always see the end of it, but we know what can cause it, and that's us and what we do with the people around us. It's a great, great lesson to learn from this movie. With that said, thank you everybody so much for listening to the special Christmas episode. I hope you guys will listen to our other Christmas episode, The Roundtable. It's a new style that we're trying to test out a no notes group discussion on movie topics and other things around that topic but i hope you guys will listen to that and give us some feedback on that join our discord where you can have some good discussion with us about movies in general and also about each episode follow our instagram for some updates and some great memes that i post also share this with your friends we're always growing i love seeing the numbers come in thank you guys so much for the growth that we've seen in the last couple weeks since we've launched you guys are so amazing I, i love hearing the feedback you guys have from this podcast and i can't wait to make more you guys have a very merry christmas god bless have a great day merry christmas